Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Organised British photography, its institutions and its spokesmen are tragically out of touch with the mood and movements of modern photography. Witness the fine adventurous photographs in the colour supplements and in magazines. If the layman can appreciate and applaud good pictures, why can't the photo establishment? Well, that was quite strident, wasn't it? Uh, but wasn't me speaking. Well, it was me speaking, but it was actually me reading. I wonder how old do you think that comment was? A day old? A week old? A month old? Maybe a couple of years old? Well, no, it's actually much older than that. That's a statement from the July 1967 issue of Camera Owner magazine, the magazine that went on to become Creative Camera, which many of you long-term listeners will be aware of uh, Bill J and my research into that magazine, hence why I've got that copy. But I think it's very important, coming on the back of the conversation that Bill Shapiro and I had last week, concerning AI. We've had a huge amount of response to it, so thank you very much for everybody who's made comment and got in touch. It seems to be that you're pretty much kind of equal in your support with either uh, Team Scott or Team Shapiro. It did seem as if we were coming from very different places and coming up with very different uh, conclusions, I think, to a lot of people. But I actually think we were much closer than probably both of us realised. When you get into part two of that conversation in a few weeks' time, maybe you'll see some of the points that you've raised uh, to me uh, answered. But anyway, what we're really talking about here, I suppose, is the fact that nothing really changes. That comment being made all those years ago is very similar to a lot of the comments that I'm hearing, seeing, reading around AI photography, but actually in photography in general. Now, one of the things that's also happened over the last couple of weeks, but you may not necessarily be aware of uh, what's happened, um, and also its importance as I perceive it. I don't know how many of you subscribe or purchase Vogue magazine, that's UK Vogue magazine, on a regular basis or follow what's going on there. You may think that it's got absolutely nothing to do with photography, so why would I? And I have to be honest, to a certain extent, over the last few years, the photography it features, it features, I should say, has really dropped, in my opinion, in quality and importance. But there is a very rich heritage there of photographic work appearing in the pages of Vogue. If you don't believe me, just go onto eBay or any one of those kinds of sites and pick up one of the collective books of Vogue Photography, which you can do for just a couple of quid, and you'll get an amazing archive of work to inspire you. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Well, a few years ago now, um, Edward Enenfell was appointed as the editor of the magazine. Now, it was quite controversial. It caused a lot of news. And I'm not going to get into that, the whys and wherefores at this point. But what's happened in the last week or so is he's announced that he's leaving the magazine. That's fine. Editors leave all of the time. They're often replaced on magazines. What's important to me here is that he is not going to be replaced by another editor of Vogue magazine. 
The title the person is going to be given is Head of Editorial Content. Now, I think there's a real death knell there for photographers and for photography and for magazines because they are intrinsically connected. Editorial photography has long been the area in which uh, photographers gained employment, created interesting work. If you don't believe me, then just look back at the early work of Saul Leiter or Robert Frank or William Klein. Photographers that you may perceive in one way, all of whom have earned a living through editorial photography. The end of the editorship of that title dictates an end of the approach of the magazine as a showcase for great work. If you don't believe me, stick around because you're going to see it in real time. So that comment back in 1967 was saying, look at the magazines. Look at the great work that's being done there. Unfortunately, in the environment we are currently in, magazines are coming to an end. I ask you a question. When was the last time you bought a magazine of any type? Unless perhaps you were on a train or on an aeroplane. How many subscriptions do you have to magazines? Are you supporting that environment? I'm sort of guessing here, but I think you're probably going to say no. So it may not seem connected to AI, but it is. The future is not going to be the past. The future is going to be very different. And just like that comment back in 1967, I don't see a lot of people really getting involved in an important discussion about what that future really is, rather than just being afraid of it. If you listened a few weeks ago to this uh, podcast, you'll know that the builders are next door. So my apologies if you can occasionally hear them. I've tried to ask them to keep quiet. They weren't very willing to do it. It's also incredibly humid in the shed this week. And my voice is a bit croaky, but never mind. Let's hope it doesn't destroy your uh, enjoyment of what we're talking about and who we're going to hear from. And who we're going to hear from now is David Baker. And he's going to explain to us what photography means to him in under five minutes. Now, David is a photographer based in Norfolk in the United Kingdom, whose work has featured in numerous books, uh, commissioned artworks and art institutions. His work over the past 10 years evidences a documentation of abandoned and historical buildings and places and spaces across Europe as he searches for the unknown, hidden and historically significant. First off, many thanks to Grant for the opportunity. It's very much appreciated. I'm David Baker and I lived on the South Coast for almost 53 years. And in 2017, I made the jump to rural southeast Aberdeenshire. I suspect there's always been some form of creativity with, within me. As at school, I wanted to be an architect. I then flirted with art college and I started an apprenticeship as a draftsman. I've always collected art books, been interested in art-related things, especially sculpture and some Victorian painting. 
But I, to be honest, I never really rated photography. I didn't understand it and I certainly didn't engage with it. So I think I really discovered photography later on in life. In about 2013, I bought a small camera to record trips out to see standing stones, burial chambers, stone circles, etc. As I really wanted a way of recording what I'd seen and also where I had seen these uh, these things. A year later, a pal said he was forming a photo blog and it'd be a great idea if a whole bunch of us did this. So I did that in 2004 and that was a real eye-opener. At some point, we were posting images every day, including ones that had to be taken on the very same day. And it occurred to me that photography had enabled me to become a creator of imagery rather than just a consumer of imagery. And that was quite a revelation, really. The photo blog community and photo blog related forums were fantastic community really very very supportive and we met up in person our first trip we met up six of us in Whitby for a very um, non-sober trip spending a whole night on Whitby Pier and it was brilliant and the next uh, year about 20 of us all met up with a similar sort of vibe now recently I've flirted with many other types of artistic mediums such as screen printing which I probably will go back to and etching truck charcoal drawing and liner cut but it's always been photography that I've been drawn back to and it surprised me how passionate I feel about this and the way that you can see images every day just taking the dog out for a walk etc I find it so very fulfilling and I'm also a huge fan of the printed image. I never used to be, but I went away with a pal called Pete Bridgewood for a week landscape rampaging around Scotland. And he said to me, you take such care in crafting your images, but you never get them printed. And I thought, no, because of the cost, the aggravation, the hassle. But I had a week of this. And when I came back, I dumped four figures on a printer, some really good quality paper. I then spent about two weeks really learning how I can get the image off the screen and onto some paper. There's something wonderfully tactile about a proper print as opposed to on-screen imagery. And I print a great deal and I keep them. So essentially photography is really, I, I guess, my way of interpreting and responding emotionally to my environment, say whether it's at the coast or whether it's dealing with ideas rather than merely locations. I'm so interested in how we can respond to this. How, for example, at the coast, how do we capture the form and beauty of the sea, for example, the sound, the power, the energy, and the sting of the sort. Can photography do this? I find that's a wonderful challenge and one that continues to engage me really almost on an everyday basis. Okay, well, thanks very much and uh, great. Thank you, David, for sharing your journey. Now, I think it just goes to show that we are very much a democratic 
Catholic uh, Church here, uh, with a very small R for religion, I should add, uh, on the podcast, because there David is talking about the importance of printing to him, and here I am talking about the importance of AI and where photography is going. But I, I kind of get the feeling that a lot of you actually will identify with uh, David's journey there, so I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did identify with what he's saying, then do please let me know, and obviously, as always, check out his work online. Now, whilst I'm talking about the future and as a kind of complete flip side to what David was talking about there, I wonder how many of you, and picking up from what I was talking about at the beginning, actually, of this episode, how many of you are aware of the Metaverse Fashion Week? Well, this occurred recently also, a completely created fashion show uh, online, obviously, uh, with AI creations of figures and so forth. Now, again, this this is the second year, I should say, that this has happened. Now, what's really interesting to me is two things. One is that the figures of the amount of people who are looking at it and are engaging with this are very low. However, all of the major fashion brands got involved. So big players like Tommy Hilfiger, for example, put a lot of money into this. Now, that's investment going into the future again. Whether or not we like it, whether we agree with it, whether we think it will last, I don't personally think any of that matters. People other than ourselves do. And those people who are other than ourselves are the people who commission photography. So... If they're investing in it, if they're seeing it as a potential future, then perhaps we should too. Following on with this sort of theme, I suppose, about where photography is going, um, which is something, as everybody who's listened to this podcast over the years knows, is never organised or planned Um Everything I talk about every week is just a response to things I see. And in fact, funnily enough, just uh, recently, somebody said to me, well, how do you come up with stuff to talk about every week? And I have to be honest, sometimes it can be quite difficult. But at the moment, it certainly isn't. We do seem to be in a time of revolution. Uh, Not too strong a word, I don't think, um, with photography. But anyway, I saw a little... um, a news article, I suppose, really, which I thought, again, was well worth just uh, recognising, just taking in, uh, not necessarily trying to make any clear point. But it, it said this, um, and we, we're all going to be aware of what I'm going to talk about. I never talk about cameras or equipment really on here, unless there's a real good reason for it. And I think there is with this. Um, so Zeiss shifts focus to smartphone photography market, claims continued involvement in dedicated camera lenses as well, said the news article. Uh, Zeiss has finally responded to rumours that it has abandoned the photography lens market for good. While the brand will remain active in the uh, dedicated camera market for the foreseeable future, it also noted that there has been an irreversible shift in the market thanks to smartphones and also the pandemic. I'm not quite sure where the pandemic fits into this, but anyway... Um, this is um, what they say. 
Uh, in the statement, Zeiss alludes to a trend that everyone has been aware of for a while. Smartphones are taking over the consumer photography scene. While it's certainly true that powerful smartphone cameras have cut a swathe through the dedicated camera market, CIPA, CIPA reports show that there has been some recovery since the pandemic. There has been a 10.8% increase in camera body sales in 2022 compared to 2021. Now, I think that's quite interesting because obviously most people don't buy a camera body and a range of lenses unless you're really interested um, in photography. So once again there, we have one of the uh, kind of key manufacturers. I'm sure we've all at some point had some Carl Zeiss lenses in our camera bags or attached to our cameras, uh, looking at the marketplace and saying, yeah, that isn't going to come back anymore. Now we're going to focus on this area because if we don't focus on this area, then as a business, we're no longer going to exist. Again, I feel that this connects very closely with where we are as photographers. If a company like Carl Zeiss Lenses is thinking we need to survive, we need to embrace the new, then as photographers, if we're looking to earn a living from it, surely then we have to do the same thing. Uh, it then go on to say that Zeiss is throwing its weight into the smartphone market in partnerships with the likes of Sony and Vivo. Um, and that's how it's responded. Companies like Canon and Sony have swung in the other direction, vying for the smartphone photographer market instead. Canon's most recent PowerShot V10 vlogging camera targets smartphones directly, while Sony's ZV-1 2 aims to draw the same crowd away with a compact form factor and nifty video features. So, as I said, I've got absolutely no interest at all in uh, new cameras or about cameras in general, but I am interested in the functionality, the way things are going and how they impact on us as working photographers, as image makers. So last week, Bill and I were kind of shooting the breeze around the idea of AI. And um, this uh, week, I should say, uh, I'm very much interested in kind of picking up on some of those threads. Now, you may pick up on those threads. Also, you might see or come to the same conclusions that I'm coming to. Alternatively, you might feel that this is all just smoke and mirrors and photography is going to continue or alternatively that photography is dead and um, there's no point in going on any longer as one of the contributors last week um, felt as a certainly kind of Armageddon kind of environment is dropping upon us. Anyway, it certainly is going to sound like that. I'm not sure if you can hear the drilling in the background. Um, don't worry, it's not somebody taking the shed down, but it could be the encroaching uh, nightmare of the change of photography. Who knows? All I know is I'll be back here again next week. I hope you'll join me. And of course, I'm going to take care and I hope you do too. <laughs>